Welcome to Talking Head. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all things queer. I think that's our tagline now. <laughs> I am Max. <laughs> and I'm Laura. And today we will be talking about trigger warning dysphoria. Yeah, so we've got like a pretty interesting conversation uh, lined up, I think. We've talked about um, different sources of dysphoria. So for instance, body dysphoria versus social dysphoria, about our personal experiences with dysphoria, about the way cis people think about um, trans people being obsessed with our bodies and, you know, having this view on dysphoria and stuff. Um, and then we end it with a banger, which is ways to alleviate dysphoria because we're pros, but we're really not. So I don't know. Just have a listen, I guess. <laughs> so you wanted to talk about dysphoria. Yes. Dysphoria is interesting because everyone probably experiences it differently. Um, and there's no right or wrong way to, do, to experience dysphoria or to, you know, um, handle it also. Um, I'm interesting, interested to know how you would define it, maybe? Gender dysphoria? Oh, um... That's a difficult I one. I suppose, yeah, it is. Um, the, the, like, semantic way is, like, dysphoria is the um, opposite of euphoria, right? And mm -hmm. euphoria is feeling, like, super great about, in this case, your body, I suppose. So... Um, I would say dysphoria is like feeling feeling miserable about your body. Yeah. Um, how would you describe it? I mean, I I've always kind of found dysphoria to be quite a weird word um, <laughs> to describe gender dysphoria um, mm -hmm. because, like you said, it's the opposite of euphoria, which just feels kind of weird to me. Um, in like, it's not like I'm when I think of euphoric, I'm like out of this world happy, mm -hmm. and that the 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 opposite of that doesn't feel um, like an appropriate way to uh, to define what I feel when I feel gender dysphoria, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I've always kind of found it a weird word, but I've kind of made my own um, definition <laughs> of it, I guess, um, in a more like practical way, um, just being you know, gender dysphoria is a feeling of, um, yeah, being uncomfortable with social settings or your body in a way that's related to gender and how you're perceived and how you feel, um, yeah, what gender you feel, um, kind of, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's also, like, an important distinction to make is that there's, like, there's body dysphoria mm. um i don't know if that's the technical term at all yeah. but it's like very much rooted in oh i i really can't stand these like specific features, features yeah. um of my body that like mm -hmm. make me make me one gender like sex characteristics and all all that stuff and like facial features and definition um and then there's also social dysphoria which has much more to do with you know, this this person is um, calling me the wrong, is using the wrong pronouns for me. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, triggers something or yeah. I have to go to the bathroom in the public place um, mm -hmm. and I have to make a decision and yeah. it's hard. So those are like two very distinct, um, yeah. different situations, but they trigger like the same, like emotion, I'd say, or just mm -hmm. the same feeling. 
Yeah. It's also interesting because I feel like now looking back on the dysphoria I used to have, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a mix of the two sometimes because um, at times I wasn't sure where the body dysmorphia ended, dysmorphia, <laughs> dysphoria ended, <laughs> and where mm-hmm. the um, social dysphoria started, kind of, because I felt like I didn't always know whether, for for example, my breasts were something I inherently felt dysphoric about, or whether it was because people saw me and connected, you know, having breasts with femininity, and that was where my dysphoria came from. So it's kind of interesting to, to you know, talk about that and and um, see it as different things. So I feel like I always felt like a lot of my dysphoria was social dysphoria. But maybe I was wrong. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's I think it's very hard to distinguish like the two or to distinguish the the source mm. because you know these things are so inherently tied together. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so hard to unsee the the like the social impact that your body has in that way and mm-hmm. so it's hard to decipher like okay am i feeling this because i feel this about my body or am i feeling this because i am feeling things about how other people look at me yeah. i think it's it's not always it's not important to know maybe um because like obviously you know yeah you're feeling you're feeling yeah. shit either <laughs> yeah. way yeah. <laughs> no <that>. matter <laughs> no matter the source it just yeah. sucks yeah. um but it's it, it's definitely yeah interesting like you say yeah and i think it's also um in my case specifically to delve a bit deeper into my personal experience with dysphoria i it's interesting to look back um because obviously i started my medical transition when i was 17 i think 16 17 17 um, late yeah i only came like- out came out as trans when I was almost 16 so yeah oh man it feels like way 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 earlier <laughs> I mean it's still like six years ago <laughs> by now yeah but I don't know still <laughs> I feel old I don't know <laughs> but yeah it's it's interesting because I mean I've gone through a whole change <laughs> since coming out uh, the first time um, because obviously I, I felt like a trans guy um, so the a lot of the dysphoria i felt was you know um tied to physical features i'd say mm-hmm. um like my breasts and you know also my voice and stuff like that um my hips my shoulders all that um and it's, it's been 5 years since i had top surgery and i've been on hormones for 6 years so it's you know the 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 exper- the dysphoria i experience right now is a lot different from the one I experienced uh, back then, and a lot of it has subsided. Um, luckily, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> I'm happy about that. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I don't really remember what it feels like to have breasts, so <laughs> I don't also don't really remember what it feels like to have dysphoria, really. That's which is so really wild. yeah, it's really weird. And it happened like super quickly as well. It's it's so fascinating how quickly I like accustomed to 
having a flat chest and just yeah not having breast anymore not having like chest dysphoria anymore wow. it's so weird but would, the, would that be because it's like because dysphoria is like i feel um is very rooted in this feeling like oh this part of me is wrong hmm. so would it be like this is just like me like making up shit basically <laughs> <laughs> can we even curse in this podcast have we I thought mean, about this we make yeah. our own rules <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like um basically would this be because once you've had the surgery and now that you have a flat chest it like feels right and therefore mm -hmm. maybe you you don't remember yeah I... how it was before because everything just like is complete now, yeah if that makes yeah. sense yeah i do feel like that because you know um it's it's like they say you don't know what you miss no that's not accurate <laughs> or <laughs> relevant the other way around. yeah um, no but it's like it there was something that was causing me dysphoria so once that mm -hmm. was taken away it no longer you know is like a thing if that makes sense yeah, um, yeah it's no longer something you have to think about so basically you stop thinking about yeah, it because it's, it's like kind of the all, same, all is well now yeah it's kind of the same with like menstruating i would say because i i never really had like intense periods um so it wasn't like that big of a deal in terms of dysphoria for me mm -hmm. um because it lasted like three days and that was over and it was never like super painful or anything but then once i like started to tea and my i stopped menstruating it just like I literally forget that I ever had like periods. It's really weird. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also a thing. Like it, it used to be there. Now it's just not there anymore. So I don't think about it anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. That yeah, that that does make sense. Cause like, yeah, why why think about something that's not there and that you like don't miss? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> absolutely. But it's really weird how like fast your psyche. Um, like uh, evolves, I guess, and, and mm -hmm. adapts to things changing um, is in, in such a way that I don't even remember what it was like anymore. Um, but yeah, coming back kind of to what I was saying earlier, um, the dysphoria I felt back then was a lot more intense, I would say, and a lot of that has gone away uh, through hormones and having top surgery. But in, instead i got like new dysphoria um, <laughs> sweet <laughs> yeah because you know as um that was kind of also what made me realize that i was non-binary because mm -hmm. once i kind of like started living as a guy i then got like new forms of dysphoria mm -hmm. that made me realize that i wasn't actually a guy um so yeah it's it's a wild ride thanks universe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love uh, this oh my god yeah no i feel i feel like that that makes sense to me as well because in a way i feel first of all i feel very reluctant talking about my own um dysphoria mm -hmm. i've discussed that with you before starting yeah. the podcast because i was like oh i don't know about this and then like three seconds before we like started this call i realized why um and i think that's because so much of like the discourse and the talk about like um 
being trans and, and, and being on the queer spectrum and all that is all about, um, you know, about the body. And it's all mm. about, oh, um, spe specifically for like um, binary trans people is often like, oh, have you had this surgery yet? Have you had that surgery yet? Blah, blah, blah. And people yeah. have also asked me like, you know, are you are you going to have surgery? Are you going to start tea? Are you going to be on hormones? And um, I'm very reluctant to like, give people mainly like like cis people that information because i'm like you have no no right yeah to it's none of your business yeah exactly it's none of your business and you have no right just like asking these things you mm. have no right to equate my identity to my body yeah because no matter what my body looks like um in my head i am still queer yeah i'm still a queer person no matter what i do mm -hmm. with this body if I ever decide to, you know, start a transition or not, or whatever, like, this body is always mine, and it will always yeah. be a queer body. So yeah. that's why I'm very reluctant to, like, talk about dysphoria, because I feel like I'm then stepping into a narrative, like, oh, so, you know, you have dysphoria, so mm -hmm. that's why you're queer. I'm like, no, I could not have dysphoria and still be queer. Um, mm -hmm. And because of this entire rant, <laughs> um, I forgot the point I was going to make. I think it was about, oh, changing changes in dysphoria. Yeah, because I do feel that as well. Like I used to be way more dysphoric, um, but I think for me it was mainly um, a lot of it, a lot, a lot of it is social dysphoria, mm -hmm. where I'm like, because people see me as a woman, um, that triggers something in me where I'm like, oh, oh, no, that is no, 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 that is just plain wrong. Yeah. Um, but then, and this was like really bad when I was like still closeted because, mm -hmm. you know, people see you as a woman all the time. And yeah. then now, like five, six years down the line of being out, um, I'm a lot more comfortable and I experience a lot less dysphoria because people use the right pronouns for me, which takes away a lot of that. Um, and so I know that people see me as this queer person. And so I don't feel the need to change my body as much yeah. because, you know, people see me as queer and they see me as me. So it's like all all good. And it's, it's really, really interesting, interesting to see how that like, like subsided. Yeah, that's really interesting that like people just viewing you and using pronouns is such a big like solution to some of your dysphoria. That's amazing. Yeah, right? It's it's <laughs> fascinating to me as well. And it's not it's yeah. not always the case. Yeah. Like some days it's still just like, oh, the shape this body is in is not the shape that I like <laughs> ideally mm -hmm. would have wanted to be born with, but I guess we'll deal with it today. Um yeah. but most of it really is social dysphoria and that's that's really interesting to me. And that's why I also think it's like good to talk about these things so that mm -hmm. you know other people hopefully for themselves can also figure out like oh okay um maybe the things i'm feeling are not because i don't like my body but it's because i don't like the way people view me yeah absolutely and that was uh, like i said it, i think social dysphoria is, is like was the biggest part of my dysphoria um and i think it still is and something i've also kind of um learned i guess recently um is that you know obviously gender is such a okay it's like it's like a saying but gender is a social construct obviously mm -hmm. and 
Gender is in, a social construct. Sorry. Yeah, I, I had to. I had to. <laughs> but I mean, like, gender dysphoria in that way is like so tied to society that I feel like social dysphoria is probably for most people a really big part of their dysphoria. And it is interesting because I did. I mean, clearly my um, my chest dysphoria must have been like so huge that I couldn't really, um, you know, look past it or, or mm-hmm. overcome it without top surgery. Um, but it is interesting that like right now I'm kind of learning to deal with the dysphoria I, I do still have by just knowing my identity and knowing that I'm valid and, and you know, all that stuff and not really having to change anything to cure my dysphoria Mm -hmm. but just knowing that regardless of what my body looks like i am me i am queer i am whatever and that's never going to change you know like um i'm not more or less valid um according to what my body looks like yeah exactly and you're also not more or less valid um whether or not you experience like a high or low amount of dysphoria because yeah. that's something I really had to like learn um, like ju- when I just um, like realized I was queer I was mm-hmm. like okay but um, if I don't want surgeries and if I don't want testosterone and all that stuff then you know am I queer enough which yeah. is such a, a harmful like way to think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and such a harmful like thing to believe in Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you can be queer in, in, in every single way and, you know, queer is queer enough, full stop. There yeah. shouldn't be any, like, gatekeeping on that. Um, and I think that's also, I'm pretty sure that there's also, like, a large amount of discourse on dysphoria in that sense. Definitely in, I want to say, the United States, mostly maybe, because I feel, so I know that um, gender dysphoria is classified as a mental illness um i mean it used in... to be i think right? is it not anymore i don't think so oh that's good yeah i think it got like <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> they got rid of it got, got checked out okay cool yeah. then i wonder if the discourse is still the same and whether i have just been living under a rock or i mean it might be but things. i feel like they just changed Maybe gender dysphoria is still in, like, the DSM, but I mm-hmm. feel like they just removed the word disorder from it, <laughs> if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, that So it's be. like a symptom, but not a disorder, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I it's it's what... it's it's still interesting to me, and I think there's still probably discourse then, or mm. feel. I um... mean, there will always be discourse, because <laughs> we have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, but my point was is that it's 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 so so interesting that there's this it's a very classical way of looking at gender i suppose where it's like um we used to be like well if you have dysphoria then you're like trans or queer and then you can do something about it by you know transitioning Mm -hmm. um and i think it's cool that in a short period of time we've progressed um into like looking past that and then into being like well there's there's more ways to be queer and you can choose to, um, for instance, microdose mm-hmm. um, testosterone, or you can, you know, you can kind of more like pick and choose 
what things you kind of wanna wanna adapt about yourself in order to to feel more like yourself. If you do um, at all, you know. Like, if you do at all, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I've had conversations with um, people who like founded um, a um, what is it like a, a foundation or something or like an mm-hmm. an information source here in the Netherlands, I suppose. Um, and like I've had a conversation with them, and, and they told me like um, back in the day um, in the Netherlands, you had to be um, like first of all, you had to like be um, what's the word like diagnosed, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, which I think in a way is still the same. You still have to like talk to a psychologist um, if you want to transition, yeah. um, and then they'll you'll like figure out like okay if you really want to transition transition then like go for it. Um, and then back in the day, you had to um, undergo an entire um, transition. You couldn't like decide like, oh, I only want I only want like chest surgery and and then I'm good. Um, oh wow! You had to basically go through everything in order to become like a real quote unquote like man or woman oh, or whatever. Yeah. Which is so harmful and so crazy. Um, and that mm. really like like blew my mind yeah because um, i was just like how you how can you force how can you still force people <laughs> um into basically just a different category but yeah. still like into a category yeah yeah i mean i don't know if that ever was the case in belgium but at least when i started my transition and when i say transition i mean medical transition because obviously <laughs> like you can cut your hair and stuff like that and that's also kind of a transition <laughs> but uh yeah i i it well in the beginning i did have to go through nine months at least of um gender therapy uh to like make sure that gender dysphoria and you know things tied to gender were the source of my sadness <laughs> to put it like that <laughs> sadness <laughs> my sadness <laughs> but yeah they when i started those therapy sessions they did ask me what uh surgeries i was possibly um you know interested mm-hmm. in um and i had always just felt like i wanted to start hormones and then have top surgery and that was it um and I never really experienced any issues because of that um, from the gender clinic uh, in Belgium. Um, So I think it might have been a bit better in that sense here. Um, I don't think anyone was ever forced, hopefully, to (laughs) undergo like all all the surgeries. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I did get like, I, I had always said I didn't want bottom surgery and they still gave me like appointments with the surgeon for bottom surgery. And I was just like, I mean, that, thanks, but like, mm. yeah, that still feels like low key, like yeah. pressuring so like, you. It, it feels kind of like, like your parents being like, are you sure you don't want to become a lawyer instead yeah. of going to film school? Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels I've very arranged bad. for you to meet with a lawyer. You can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, so, so wild and it's so interesting as well that like even like um trans healthcare i guess mm-hmm. in in that way is still like for the longest time has been from such a like cisnormative point of view yeah um and speaking of like this cis um normative point of view um 
I'm really interested, or, like, I really want to talk a bit about what, like, cis people mostly um, say (laughs) to, like, trans and queer people in the terms of, like, talking about body and stuff, because there have been things that have been said to me that I've been, like, oh, wow. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, honey. You're Oh, honey. Get it. Honey. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, I... I can't really think of um, examples, so you can go ahead and I'll just, like, yeah, get in there. cool, yeah. So my ultimate favorite, or, like, the one that I can just, like, just, like, echoes in my brain from time to time, I suppose, is this one where someone, like, told me, um, it was, like, um, after, like, having had sex and stuff, and this person was, like, you know, what I really admire is um, that you're, like, so um, cool and confident um, about your body, even though you're, like, um, you know, queer and non-binary and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, you're really struggling with that. It was it was something like that was the connotation. And I was just like, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm confident in my body. Just because I'm queer doesn't mean I, I hate all all of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, oh god, oh, I, like I understood that it was like the, meant yeah. as this very sweet and kind thing, but I was just like, oh, you are presuming so much about mm-hmm. me and my relationship with my body just because you know I'm queer. Yeah. And to this day, like, that still echoes in my brain where I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the whole, like, thing of cis people saying, you're so brave, or, like, I admire you. I'm like, I'm just living my life. That's one of the (laughs) the things I hate the most. And especially when it's, like, to do with my body or, or, like, surgeries or just starting a transition, like... People have so many opinions, and even though they, like, mean it in a nice Mm -hmm. way, and they're trying to, like, compliment you, it's just so cringy. (laughs) Have you you had the thing where people say, like, oh, you're trans? I never would have thought. Oh, oh yeah, all the time. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. But they always like, but they also like say it to your face, like, oh, I'm such a surprise. You turned out so well. Or like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could have never guessed. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to hurl. I'm going to hurl and cry at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But it's such an obsession. Like, cis people are obsessed with trans people's bodies. <laughs> oh, my God. I just remembered another story. So, remember in like second grade, I, for my media studies, we had to make a human interest feature. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> and oh my god, really? Because like, we so ended up. Bro, oh, we, we second made year a of, human of in- college. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. And so we, we made a human interest feature about you. Yes. Because <laughs> you were, were you in transition during that time? I don't even remember. Yeah, I was, that was like 2016, I think. I think so, yeah. Because I think I, I'd had uh, top surgery and I yeah. had been on T for quite a while. Yeah, I think so too. And so we decided to like make a human interest feature about you 
um because it was easy because i knew you <laughs> yeah <laughs> college baby <laughs> easy credits <laughs> um and then uh we wrote down like this like shopping list script um and we had like pieces in in there of like you explaining what binders are a bit like that um and you know just all kind of like easy and respectful stuff a conversation mm -hmm. with your mom about like what it was like um for her to learn um that her kid was like coming out and stuff um and then i remember going to my teacher or my teacher like being like yeah it's good blah 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 whatever but um i think you should ask what's in their pants <laughs> and i was just like i'm Excuse sorry me? <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry but that is you can't do that that's uncalled for it yeah. my teacher was like yeah but you know you gotta um you know, it's human interest and you got to even like dive into the taboos or whatnot because people do want to know and people will, are interested in that. And I was like, sir, no. The taboos <laughs> like, are the no. opposite of what's in my pants because everyone <laughs> wants to know what's in my pants. <laughs> right? Like, and I was like, and it's not, you know, this this does not have to do with it being taboo. This has has got to do with like basic respect yeah you're not gonna ask a cis person what's in their pants yeah so i'm not gonna ask a trans person what's in their pants so yeah. just like basically like put my foot down was like that's that's not happening yeah. like whatever he says i don't care i'll get a lower grade but that's mm -hmm. just not happening and then i remember like us working it into um <laughs> into the human interest feature still by asking you what's the most annoying question you get asked and you answer <laughs> right. i remember answer. that <laughs> yeah. that was definitely not scripted <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> not planned <laughs> so you answered with people asking me what's in my pants and i was just like there you go yes. teacher that's a big <laughs> subtle f you <laughs> yeah but honestly though like especially a few years ago when trans people were in the media those few times um <laughs> it was always about like surgeries and their bodies and you know how hard it is to have a penis as when you're a woman like bitch <laughs> 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 there are ugh, yeah I don't know, right? people are obsessed yeah. with our genitals for mm -hmm. some reason. Exactly, and and that's, I guess, also why I felt, like, that much, like, reservation, like, talking about this, because mm -hmm. it was, like, my body is mine, and I don't, I don't want anyone to, like, make up their own narrative mm. um, about me um, when I do say that I do experience dysphoria, because I do from time to time, but I don't want people to immediately latch on to that and be like yeah. oh they must hate their body and mm -hmm. yada yada and so brave that they like still are confident and like whatnot um so yeah i just find that like really interesting yeah and um, maybe it's also interesting for cis people who hear about this and maybe it's like the first real conversation to hear about dysphoria to know that as we said, like social dysphoria is probably the biggest part of the dysphoria yeah. we do experience. Um, even though it might not be maybe as um, as deep in a sense. I don't know how to like explain this, but I feel like um, dysphoria, I, well, at least speaking from my experiences, like the dysphoria I feel or felt um, about my chest mm -hmm. was on like a different level as, uh, yeah. you know, having to pick a bathroom. You know what I mean? I I guess it has to do with the fact that like social dysphoria kind of passes yeah because it's like for instance someone uses the wrong pronoun and mm -hmm. you know a spoken word only lasts for a second yeah 
and it and then it's gone again um and the feeling maybe like lingers a bit but yeah. then you move on with your day and you say goodbye to that person and you know it it passes mm-hmm. but you're in your body 24 7 so yeah. that's way more of a of a deep-seated uncomfortableness that you can't escape from because you can't run from yeah. from your body you're literally in it all the time mm-hmm. um so in that sense i do feel like body dysphoria is more it's a much more heavy heavy feeling in that yeah. sense because you can't there's no relief it's just there mm-hmm. um, but i feel like um it's it's kind of weird because like we kind of uh you know said the opposite things because we at, in in one sense like body dysphoria is more mm-hmm. like intense but then social dysphoria is more prevalent so <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> yeah okay oh, well uh, okay <laughs> good point yes well i guess like at least for me it is that way like on um because i don't always experience um dysphoria but on days that i experience like dysphoria about my body it's like it's this very deep-seated uncomfortableness that i can't shake and mm-hmm. almost the entire day is just an off day yeah. it's like you know it's like when you wake up sad or whatever yeah, it's just exactly. like okay i guess i'll be sad today it's just the, it's a know? dysphoria day yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just happens whatever um but then so when it when it happens it's like it's like bad but um it's something that i know i will survive and it will it will pass maybe tomorrow i'll wake up and it will not be there anymore so it's like fine for me at -hmm. least um or i can like seriously think about like okay if i if i experience this often maybe i'll like wear binders more or maybe i'll consider surgery you know it's there's solutions it's Mm -hmm. fixable and it's within it's fixable within your own control yeah um, that's a big thing i think whereas exactly whereas social dysphoria is like this person like is saying this it happens almost daily mm-hmm. even daily um you know um and this person like like says this thing and i can't change the way they view me yeah i can only keep explaining please don't say that word i'm queer but i i can change the way they view me and i you know i i can try but as long um as they keep misgendering me i in my head, the narrative is, oh, okay, so you still see me, um, in my case, as, as a girl, right? Yeah. So, and I can change that. So in that sense, it's 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 fleeting, but it's also more annoying because it's out of outside of your control. Yeah. So it, it also leaves you feeling like a little hopeless at times because it's like, what what am I supposed to do? I've mm-hmm. al- already told you I'm queer. I've already told you my pronouns. What am I, you know, how can I, I can't erase this from my life unless yeah. i transition i suppose yeah that's a really good way to like explain the difference i think it's it's kind of weird because i'd never really thought about this obviously <laughs> but it is like it does make sense to me at least and i hope it does to the audience as well <laughs> yeah same because like i only really came to this conclusion as we had this conversation yeah. as well <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh wait this is why <laughs> wait the one is like in my we're control, basically having therapy thing. right <laughs> free therapy yay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i that was i think that that was a good one <laughs> right maybe for trans people who might be watching or mm-hmm. people who just for uh, experience or just dysphoria listening. well yeah 
<laughs> it might be interesting to kind of talk about um, how we used to or still do alleviate mm-hmm. dysphoria. Um, yeah. Maybe we can help some people out there. Who knows? That, that would be, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. <thing>. You... <laughs> <laughs> do you want to like kick us off? Even well, though it's, it, I guess it's, well, I mean, do you still need to alleviate like dysphoria often? Um, I would say that I don't experience dysphoria as often anymore, but sometimes I do. And mostly it's linked to pronouns, um, mm-hmm. or just like gendered words, um, uh, people calling me like dude or bro. Um, uh, but yeah, sometimes my body, um, because I obviously like testosterone makes me look masculine uh, stereotypically um, which does cause dysphoria sometimes but I think um, what has really helped me is kind of what I mentioned earlier as well uh, in like realizing that regardless of my body I still am me and that doesn't like take away from my identity Um, that's like a big thing that has really helped Um, And also, like, just surrounding you with people who are, you know, understanding of you being trans, first of all. And second of all, just body body positive. That really helps for me. Um, Just, like, for example, like, uh, people, um, like, guys, gay guys who Mm -hmm. do, like, think I'm cute (laughs) really helps. And also them, you know, like, um, complimenting my body. Mm-hmm. and still seeing me as queer and respecting yeah. my identity that's like mm-hmm. a really big thing that does help me um yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me like in a like tactical practical kind of sense like what you can do i mean i guess you can go on tinder and find someone who compliments you <laughs> to make you feel better <laughs> i suppose that's <laughs> you know it's a coping mechanism sure <laughs> um but for me what i found that really helps also comes back to like like that sense of like being being seen for who you are so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll often like text you and just be like this is a bad day this yeah. is not good i feel <laughs> dysphoric this sucks the xyz person said this thing <laughs> just kind of mm-hmm. kind of rant let it yeah. all out and then you'll just be like i'm so sorry boo and i'm like thank you that's all i needed <laughs> just like yeah just like have people that you can vent to i guess and have people that you know a support um, system yeah i have a support system um what else can you do i like to like wear baggier clothes on days mm-hmm. that i like feel more dysphoric or like wear a binder or just basically like get yourself as comfortable as possible because your day is going to be uncomfortable so you might as well like try to be the most comfortable you, you can still be by wearing yeah. your favorite outfit, by, you know, mm-hmm. doing the, the, the tiny things that you can do to make yourself feel good. Yeah. Um, I think also a big thing that I used to do um, when I had, like, chest dysphoria was wear layers. Yes. A t-shirt and an open, like, uh, shirt, button-down shirt. <laughs> Call me out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize <laughs> For people that are just listening, this is literally my outfit. (laughs) Or black. Takes away all shape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a blob. Please. (laughs) See me for who I am. A blob. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is quite unfortunate that we are assigned female at birth people, Mm -hmm. so we can't really give tips to, like, 
Yeah. A map people. Yeah. It's such a weird I, abbreviation. By I know. Acronym, I mean, whatever. is it? It's funny that you say like A map and A fab because I always say like A M A B, A F A C A B. But yeah, I mean, I guess like you know, make yourself feel comfortable. Like wear the clothes you're most comfortable in. Mm-hmm. You know that you can wear for your situation. I feel like that can apply to anyone. Um, yeah. As well as like rant can also apply to anyone. Definitely. Like, just, just vent, get it all yeah. out. Talk um, about it. Yeah. And what else? I like to. I used to like. Oh, um, listening to music that makes you feel good or that makes you feel pumped up or that mm-hmm. makes you feel like, you know, more secure in yourself really helped me. I also liked to like watch shows or stuff with like um queer icons mm-hmm. that i could be like okay but there's you know there's these people out there living their authentic like ways and you know they get looked at for who they truly are and yeah so will i mm-hmm. i think like yeah like you say like representation is good but mm-hmm. also not trying not to compare compare yourself to other people i know that like I remember being like at the start of my transition or being like pre-transition mm-hmm. and just watching these like YouTubers, older trans guys and just being like, oh my God, I'm so like envious mm-hmm. of their transition and what their bodies look like, even though I knew that they still experienced dysphoria <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and, you know, they yeah. still weren't happy with their bodies. Mm-hmm. I was just like so envious of them being on testosterone or having had top surgery. And it's really hard not to do that. But mm-hmm. I feel like it is important maybe that if you know that you have a really dysphoric day to not seek it out, you know, not yeah. watch those videos, not do the things that you know will give you more dysphoria. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a really, a really good, <laughs> good point. Because I think what I maybe also like used to do if I had a dysphoric day, I would like search for all these people that I kind of wanted to look like and then just like look at them and like looking back on it i'm like why would i do that to myself (laughs) if i already like didn't feel good but i don't know i guess it's it's like sort of this like weird form of daydreaming where it's like you know just looking at these people and being like i wish that that could be me one Mm. day um but you know (laughs) think about why why you're doing what you're doing and like maybe think about okay is this making me feel better or is this making me feel worse? And should I like maybe step back and yeah. do something else? Not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I don't know. It, it all comes down to like dysphoria sucks, basically, you know, you just got to try it. and deal with it. Yeah. It's really yeah. difficult. It is. <laughs> I hope this was in some way informative, helpful, um, you know, a good podcast, I guess. Um, Again, feedback, any feedback, questions, we'll any take questions. It all. We'll, yeah, we'll take it all. <laughs> all right. Thanks for watching. See you next time. What? <laughs> the finger guns. I'm so sorry. Excuse me, I'm bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> we should make this our official outro. Just... <laughs> Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Goodbye.